Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Just want to uh, again alert you to the fact that tomorrow on the program we're going to play back for you the interview that I uh, aired last Sunday with the registrar of the Alberta Pharmacists College or the Alberta College of Pharmacists because tomorrow pharmacists in the province of Alberta will be potentially challenging or questioning certainly chronic pain patients who arrive with the prescription for opioids from their doctor. The pharmacists will start to ask you questions about your uh, about your chronic pain and about your medication and uh, probably some other things as well. I I don't know for sure what the questions are going to be, but I understand that that is going to be the the, the fundamentals of it. And uh, I want you to hear the conversation that I had with the registrar of the uh, College of Alberta Pharmacists. And by the way, the college decided itself; it wasn't asked by anybody, not by the government, not by the Alberta Medical Association to come up with its own guidelines. They just decided to do it. And I would imagine many chronic pain patients are going to have a real issue with that. But that's what you're going to be facing, and not just in Alberta. Alberta tomorrow, but other provinces, it's going to happen as well. And as I tweeted earlier, and I said earlier, and I'll repeat it now, if you're a patient and you go to see the pharmacist with your prescription for your opioid meds in order to provide some quality of life, and uh, keep the chronic pain at bay somewhat, and you start to get quizzed, take out your phone, your mobile phone, put it on the table, press record. Make sure that you have an absolute record of everything that is said in that conversation. Make sure that you have a record. Take your phone. It may be difficult for you, a little uncomfortable. doesn't matter. Take your phone, put it on the desk, press record. Now, we have a little bit of a change-up in our lineup for Beauties and the Beast. Michelle Simpson is on vacation, so she's unable to be with us for a couple of weeks. Uh, Catherine Swift, I don't know how to tell you this, she's playing baseball. Slow pitch. And uh, Catherine is unable to join us because I think she's a bat. I don't know if it's a championship game or, or what it is, but... She's not able to join us today, but Linda Leatherdale is here. Hi, Linda. Hi, Roy. I think it's going to be called Beauty and the Beast. Well, we have another place. Is that your dogs again? Oh, my goodness. Who let the dogs out? Sorry. Did you get rid of those guys? I mean, not permanently, <laughs> but just... Never, Roy. ...during the broadcast. And with us as well is Aaron Woodrick. He's the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And we talk to Aaron uh, quite regularly on issues that are of significant importance to all of us and that have to do with taxes and taxpayer issues. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Roy. I just want to know whether I'm a beauty or a beast. That's the important question. I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> so what I, what I want to do is play something for you both now 
And uh, because one of the uh, items on the on taxpayer.com from the Canadian Taxpayer Federation is no money for Omar Khadr. Well, of course, Peter Kent, the conservative MP, asked Mr. Trudeau about Omar Khadr's mm, secret payout. And I just want to remind everybody of what the prime minister said in reply. Mr. Speaker, I understand the member opposite's outrage at the settlement in the Omar Khadr case. I understand Canadians' outrage. I understand how angry I am that we had to settle that. The fact is, Mr. Speaker, we should all be outraged and remain outraged that Canadian governments violated a Canadian's fundamental rights. And if we stay angry enough for long enough, maybe no future government will ever violate a Canadian's fundamental rights that way again. So one of our uh, one of our callers suggested earlier that um, there had to be a bit of a rehearsal ongoing there that 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 wasn't just a spontaneous response by Justin Trudeau that he'd been prepared for some time to reply because it was quick there were no ums and ahs and uh, he replied in a manner that confused the hell out of all of us. Uh, Aaron when you hear the uh, the Prime Minister reply as he did to that question by Peter Kent what do you hear? I mean, I'm first struck by the fact that he understands how angry he is. I understand how angry I am is a bizarre phrase to use. But it also begs the question, you know, you're the prime minister. You're the one that signed off on this. You didn't have to do this. Uh, he's making it sound as if he's sitting with Peter Kent over in the opposition benches, outraged at some decision that somebody else made. He's the one that did it. So it really doesn't square with his actions, uh, his words just don't make any sense. And Linda, he seems to forget that in 2002, 2003, when the, uh, when the questioning of Cotter took place, the prime minister was a fellow by the name of Chrétien. There you go. And he keeps on trying to put the blame on the Stephen Harper conservatives, which is complete crap, as you know. Um, and, but, but deeper than this. Is there more money involved here than the actual payout? I mean, what about legal fees? What about other things? Canadians, Trudeau says he's outraged. Every tax-paying Canadian should be outraged over this. And fundamental rights, where's our rights um, in this issue? It, it just infuriates me, and I think, Roy, what I hope Canadians will not forget this. No way. This was done intentionally before an election, before we go to the polls, because they want us to forget. Well, do not forget this travesty. Aaron, you know what, uh, what, how Canadians normally respond. You do a lot of polling. You see what happens on taxpayer.com. Do you believe that this Cotter issue, and uh, here's Trudeau bringing it up again and providing us with cannon fodder, uh, or he's the cannon fodder, do you, uh, do you believe that Canadian voters will, when they go to the polls, and you know what happens during an election campaign, there are all sorts of little sidebar issues that take up more space than they should. Will this be something that people remember when they've got the pencil in their hands? Boy, Roy, I mean, I, you'd have to be a brave soul to make predictions about politics these days, but I will say this. I mean, this summer, the, these two issues, the Cotter issue and the small business tax changes, mm -hmm. these are by far the two biggest things I've ever seen at the Taxpayers Federation, and they are doing more damage to the Liberal government uh, in terms of their standing in the public than any of the other issues. And frankly, a surprising amount for a government that's only two years, it's not even two years old that they've been there. For a lot of folks, it's starting to feel like they've been there a lot longer than two years. You know, Linda, it seems like uh, the Liberal Party, the Liberal government, and they're not getting a lot of 
great opposition from the conservatives, and the NDB are caught up in their in their leadership campaign. But the liberals seem to have forgotten that when you're in the hole, you can stop digging. And and yet here's Trudeau, here's Morneau. On Friday, I think he was in Oakville, Ontario, and he got blasted for the supposed you know the tax fairness. Um, how is this? Do you think this tax fairness issue is going to stay as far as focus of Canadians is concerned? Well, I think this is going to drag out, and it is really ticking off the Canadian public. Come on. You know, I'm reading some of the editorials on this, and they're saying, well, you know, the federal small business tax rate has fallen from 13% in 2000 to 10.5%, and we've seen the same in some provinces. So now the uh, government, um, you know, is collecting $10 billion less in taxes because of the changes that were made to the tax structure. Excuse me, what is wrong with putting money back into the hands of those people, particularly small business entrepreneurs who are our job creators? But no, instead, the loony left wants us to believe they're not paying their fair share. And I say it again, and I said it before, Roy, why aren't they going after the Panama Papers? Why aren't they going after the real people that are avoiding taxes? This is a legitimate way and a, a way to like reinvest, and let's not forget that these entrepreneurs that put their money, life savings, on the line to create jobs don't have um, a, a CPP, don't have UI to fall back on should their companies fail, and we know the failure rate in the first five years of a small business. Yeah. So to me, this is just, again, low-lying fruit, making us sound like we're all bad doobies, we just want to avoid paying tax. When that is not the case, we, as, as the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and um, one of the gentlemen, tax me, I am Canadian. He wrote that book, and it is so true. Well, also, uh, a former finance minister in the Jean Chrétien government by the name of Manley um, informed Mr. Trudeau and informed Mr. Morneau, um, Aaron, and informed the federal government early in the week, or maybe it was even a week before, that they've been made aware of one company, one individual who's moved his company and billions of dollars out of Canada because of the supposed tracks fairness initiative. You think they'd uh, maybe slow down a little bit, but not not happening. Well, yeah, and you, and you know that's the shocking thing, Roy, is that there are a number of people that shrug and they say, "Good riddance, you greedy bastard. We don't need you here." And I sort of I have to stop them and say, "Hold on a second here. You know how much tax those people pay." I mean, you might not have to feel sorry for the guy buying his third yacht. I understand that. I do feel sorry for the rest of us because we're the ones that have to yeah. pick up the slack. For every billionaire that leaves that was paying three or $400 million in tax, uh, guess who has to make up the difference? It's you and me and every other taxpayer. Well, there's this, this, this theory, this, or not so much theory, but there's an attitude that has become employer bad. So if you're the person who is employing, you're the person who has a company, you must also be the person who's screwing somebody out of their fair share. It's not that you're the person who's built the company, that you've risked everything that you've had at times to build something of some significance and value that you have the right to profit from, but employer bad seems to be a res resonating attitude in this country. Well, no kidding, and particularly when you see governments now hiking the minimum wage on these people. But it's like in Ontario, it's, it's going to be a slam on these small business operators. And, you know, there was probably a better way, and it's a tough issue to fight. But 
I got to say, why couldn't it have been phased in? Why could there not be some more warnings? And we're seeing this across Canada. So again, I go, these guys, the small business entrepreneurs are the ones who are creating the jobs. They are the ones that are employing people. Let's give them a break. These guys aren't enemy number one, and profit isn't a dirty word. Well, they're being accused. They're being accused of being intentional tax cheats and tax avoiders. We already have an underground economy that is operating in the billions of dollars, and the only reason that exists, I think, Aaron, is because there's a sense among taxpayers nationally, an attitude, a feeling that's been going on for some time, that, that fairness does not exist in, in, in taxation, so I'll get even with them any way I can. Well, look, and I think you're right, and this just underscores this, the fantasy land economics of some on the left, that you can simply increase taxes forever, and everyone's just going to continue doing everything as normal. Like, that's not what happens. No. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a world of leftist economics, you could raise the minimum wage to $100 an hour, and everyone would keep their job, and no one would lose any hours, and no one would go out of business. But, of course, that's not what happens. And, I, you know, it, I, I am beside myself sometimes that people who claim to be progressives and care about the most vulnerable support a policy that is going to hurt the most vulnerable. You know, if you are a small business owner and you have five employees and you have to let one of them go, which one is it going to be? It's going to be the least skilled, most vulnerable one who has the hardest time finding another job. I I know what people would say if a conservative proposed that kind of policy, but I don't know why people let them off the hook when it's liberal. Yeah, and when it comes to people who are intentionally messing with the finances of the nation, we can start with the very 338 members of parliament because they're the ones who, according to the liberal standard, are all rich because they're all making over $150,000 a year. They have the additional incomes if they're on committees or if they have certain rank within the government, so they're making money uh, well above the $150,000 wealth scale or wealth uh, number. And uh, they've also voted themselves this wonderful pension plan, which is six or seven or ten times uh, better than anything that anybody in the private sector gets. Aaron, you're the ones who've done the the work on this, uh, Taxpayers Federation. For every dollar that an MP puts into the pension plan, how much does the Canadian taxpayer add? Well, it's a good question. It was, for a long time, a ridiculous amount. It was about $20 that taxpayers were kicking in for every $1. Uh, The Harper government, that was something we applauded them very strongly for. They fixed it. Uh, and so now it's going to be down to about $1.60 from taxpayers for every dollar. So not quite one-to-one, but a hell of a lot closer than 20-to-1. And frankly, yeah. one thing we thought the Prime Minister deserved a lot of credit on, he personally gave up somewhere in the neighborhood of about $2 million in his own pension. We don't often see politicians that put their money where their mouth is, but you know, he on that issue, he personally gave up that much money in pension, and we, and we think he deserves credit for it. That was Stephen Harper. Yes. Linda, how about that? And then only six years, uh, you only have to have that seat in the shadow by the Rideau for six years or two elections, and you're, you've already qualified <laughs> for the pension for the rest of your life. And you know what's really, really sad, Roy, is for the average working stiff out there. They've seen pensions go up in smoke. They don't get, you know, employer very rarely matches an RRSP contribution, for example, and there's no goal to plated pension plan. And we already hear that with the record household debt in this country, so many families are living paycheck to paycheck, and even seniors have mortgages and can't retire. So you know what? It ain't fair. 
But I think the other thing that infuriates me when they go on, well, we're not getting enough money. We're not getting enough money. Well, what about all the money that is wasted and wasted in scandal after scandal, not just in Ontario, but right across this country and particularly at um, Ottawa? You know what? We should be having, and I wish uh, you know, our friends at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation would help us. We need a tax revolt. Wasted spending billions of dollars that could be. I think I think there's a tax revolt taking place. Yeah, I think I think it's happening right. now. I think it's I think it's underway. I, I think this is the first time I, I can say in my time at the CTF where I have seen and I've seen this for months now, Royal, between emails and phone calls. And these are not the remarkable thing is that these are not people who are normally political. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are people who even voted liberal mm-hmm. or were you know ambivalent about the liberals, but they are furious. And and between in Ontario between the minimum wage hike and these small business tax changes, people are fed up. They're saying, look, I pay, I'm a productive member of society. I work hard. I pay my taxes. Stop picking on me. I've had enough. Right. And I've never seen anything like it. And I certainly hope it continues because it's a message politicians need to hear. The answer is not always more spending. Sometimes it is government. Figure out to work with what you've got. Stop coming back to us because you can't control your own spending. Yeah, let me take a quick break because we have to go and, and earn some money. So uh, then we'll come back, and I want to come back to something that Linda talked about, and that's the $15 minimum wage. uh, TD Bank warned what that might, in fact, cost. Stay with us. You mess with the bull, bull. you get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. It is our Beauties and the Beast, or Beauty and the Beast, sir. Not sure what to call it today. Uh, Aaron Woodrick, the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, is with us. Linda Leatherdale, who, of course, is a weekly contributor and beauty. And Catherine Swift is not with us. Michelle Simpson not with us. So I don't know where we are now. I, I do know that whenever I say anything negative about the liberals, I get accused of being unfair and biased. Folks. I'm not a I'm not a news reporter. I'm an opinions talk show host. And if Mr. Trudeau doesn't want to be to show me to talk about Trudeau in negative ways, then he has to stop providing me with material. TD Bank, and we have less than a minute here. Uh, TD Bank says fifteen dollar minimum wage could cost up to ninety thousand jobs, and that's in the province of Ontario alone. Aaron, what do you say? Well, I think it's a big problem. I think the wind government does not understand basic economics, and it's going to hurt a lot of uh, vulnerable people, unfortunately. Whatever the well intentions, it can end up with very bad unintended consequences. And that number sounds rational to you, reasonable? Sounds reasonable to me. Linda? Absolutely. They say 90,000 jobs could be lost by 2020, and uh, as we know, that uh, minimum wage is going to go to $15 um, an hour. And, you know, this report that TD Bank put out does warn that it is teens and it's vulnerable. These people that need part-time jobs, you know, probably saving for school or whatever. These Mm -hmm. are the guys who are going to be hit hardest. So I have to agree, it's the vulnerable. All right. Thank you so much, Linda. As always, Aaron, thank you for stepping in. We'll have you back if you don't mind. Yes. Love to. All right. And uh, we'll come back in a minute and tell you about tomorrow's lineup. Stay with us.